Peace world, peace world. This is your man, Ant Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And it is another episode of Keeping the Towel. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a new second. It's a new minute. It's a new hour. It's a new day. It's a new month. And with that new month comes another round. And with that round, ladies and gentlemen, I have to make sure you are still in this fight with me. Hopefully you ain't pulling no Roberto Duran and saying no mas because we can't be doing that right now. The year is almost over. But ladies and gentlemen, on this time and at this moment, I want to make sure that you are in the gym with me because I got a couple of people in the sparring gym with me, incredible people, that you're going to get a chance to hear their story. And we're going to be talking about wellness and fitness, but it's going to be a little bit of remix. You're going to hear about them and how they got to their journey on wellness and fitness. I promise you, you're going to hear some raw, real talk here. So make sure you're able to go ahead and get all your sound systems up. So thank you. It's your man, Ant Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And if you're listening to this on your AirPods, your earbuds, your laptop, your tablet, your phone, whatever you're listening to this on, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Rhode Island, this incredible couple introducing into the gym with me, Derek Williams and Victoria Chestnut. What's up, y'all? We really just want this intro, sir. Yeah, we're doing great. <laughs> he wants the crowd to go wild, y'all. Here we go, one more time. Yeah, we're doing great. Thank you so much for having us tonight. We appreciate it. Oh, definitely, definitely, y'all. So we're going to go ahead and get right into this, y'all. So with these incredible couple who's ready, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you have in your mouth guard. And with that being said, the round of the fish is started. Let's make it happen. So we're going to go ahead and start with you, Miss Chestnut. Let's go ahead and start this with you. Let's take us back to the a time machine. Let's let us know where it all started for you. So we're going to run it back to childhood going into preteens, teenage years. My mom was married to a, a man and he was my former stepfather. And um, as I was the oldest of at some point, there were six kids in the house. And so I was given a lot of the home tasks to do. I was not allowed to participate in sports or anything like that. So there were a lot of ex experiences that I wasn't able to have. Um, I did not get to participate in uh, athletics, martial arts, any of that stuff. So it wasn't until I actually moved out of the house at 21 did I begin to experiment with different things and kind of see what is it I like? Because I had no clue what I was into. So over the next few years, I would try tennis and I would do painting and I would do Pilates and yoga and Muay Thai and some kickboxing. And I just tried a variety of different things, trying to figure out what the heck do I like? And over the years, these different hobbies would come and go, yoga included, but I noticed that while other things would fall off, yoga was the one thing that kind of stayed. Even if gotten on my mat in six months, a year, I would always come back to it versus the other things like tennis and volleyball, I, I wouldn't. So that was a huge sign for me. And eventually when I would meet Derek with that, he noticed and um, yeah. That, that was the start of my yoga process. 
So in that part of being at home, growing up, what was that like in terms of your social life? Because as you said, it was a strict home. So give us a synopsis of what it was at home and how did that go ahead and translate to the outside world? Right, right. So my household, um, I mean, anyone that has siblings can tell you that most siblings are not all raised the same. And the same goes for me, except mine was a little bit darker. Um, I did not have a lot of friends. We were constantly up and relocated. Like I ended up going to even like, let's just say high school. I went to like three different high schools. We were constantly moving around, always the new girl at school. And then in the household itself, as a woman, as a young girl, I was taught to be more meek and timid and subservient and just kind of what I say is what it's gonna be. And even down to watching TV, you know, every day at dinner, we wanted dinner on the table at, let's just say six o'clock every day. And he always wanted to watch Wheel of Fortune every day for dinner, no matter what. Yeah, very, very strict, very strict, very, I need to keep tabs on you. I need to know what you're doing at all times. And I didn't really start having uh, what I would call at the time friends until really high school when we moved to A-Leaf. So what was that like in high school with, because of the strictness at home, what did that do to you while you was out in school, particularly in high school? Uh, well, I'll just stick with Elsick High School since that's where I graduated from, but I pretty much had to use every single chameleon quality about me because, you know, constantly being relocated I had to learn to quickly blend in with what I was around. And so by the time we got to Elsick, which was the first school I'd ever been to that was predominantly minority, you know, black and Hispanic, I had never seen an environment like that before. Um, and of course, this is a very hood, ghetto ass school. I mean, it, it literally Swear. is the picture of the school to prison pipeline. Mm. It really is. I mean, the school doesn't even have windows really it looks like a prison what so yeah. wow man elsick 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 is rough it's in a, it's in a very rough part of part of town so me coming in here um as the new girl you know wearing these designer clothes and i was the girl that was still wear heels to school i didn't care um, always having like lip gloss on and my hair done and stuff. You can imagine this didn't go over well with a lot of the females at this. So who you think you is? Yeah, <laughs> basically. So, you know, I had to try to basically use all the social skills that I had learned and I had to amplify it at this school, even though I felt like this wasn't me at all, but I had to try my best to befriend whoever I could to avoid drama at this school. So was there ever a time that you felt out of place or awkward? Oh, all the time. All the time, all the time. I'm an adult and I still feel awkward because I know that I'm a weirdo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, hey, hey, don't rub your head like that, sir. But I accept who I am. I accept that I'm a little kooky. I have little quirks and 
I can be a little weird at times, so I'm okay with it. But growing up, I was definitely not okay with standing out, with being different. And I tried my best to blend in and befriend anyone I could and just kind of make life as easy as possible. Derek, let's go ahead and hit on to you, my man. Let's start from the start of Mr. Derek's young life and him moving and progressing through life onto his route of fitness. I have a pretty interesting uh, beginning into fitness. I used to not like it. I didn't like sports. I liked to play video games and eat junk and everything else. It wasn't until my dad forced me to play flag football and karate that I realized I was really good at both. And from there, it was molded even further by my mother. We used to take me to the gym with her every evening after she got home from work, doing her step classes and everything else at Ballet Total Fitness. I always remember it because there was a song that would play on the radio, Eve, like clockwork, Quiet Storm. I'm not gonna try and sing for you guys, but you know, Thank if you. you are our age, you you remember the Quiet Storm. Oh, tender more. Yeah, I love that song. But it was it was that day. It was that day when I was uh, 14, 13. I was either 13 or 14 years old. And my mom, I was finally old enough to work out at the gym, and my mom made me work out with her. And it was the first time I saw my own abs, and. From that day, I became addicted. Now I was in the gym all the time. I was in the gym after school, gym during school, you know, uh, between between football and basketball practice. I was playing all the different sports you could imagine, just kind of molding myself into an athlete. Whereas I went, I came from not being athletically inclined to becoming pretty balanced in about everything that I do. And from there, it transitioned into college, it transitioned into semi-pro football, and it transitioned into college football and beyond. I started Top Flight Fitness, which is my fitness company, in 2004, in the earliest years of high school. And it was just like wildfire from there. Put me onto this space when you were growing up, growing in a predominantly white neighborhood, and you being the negative 0.2% of black people in this neighborhood. What was that oh, like and what did that do to you going forward? So, you know, what's funny. Um, I didn't grow up around a whole, whole lot of uh, black people in my early years. And the ones that I did, I met them in school. And because I was, quote unquote, the Oreo, I was not accepted by them. Um, but oddly enough, I was accepted by everyone else. Why would you call it Oreo? Uh, because I talked far too proper i talked too well of the king's english <laughs> same here they call me they call me that too i didn't sag my pants or speak with swag uh, uh, and that left me with a lot of problems when it came to our people sadly and i also was that kid that answered all the questions in class as well whether i got them right or wrong but a lot of times i got them right so I was always seen as, oh, you think you're smarter than all of us? Think you're better than us? Blah, 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 blah. I said, I ain't never said that. I mean, you can't all just sit here silent and the teacher's going to get pissed off at us. Right. I'll take one for the team. So it was it was rough. But once I started playing sports, it changed. At that point, I started getting, well, I already had respect of other people, but I gained the respect of my black peers. And now we were more on an equal playing field as far as um, popularity and just getting to know people in school. So I didn't have too many problems after that. 
but it wasn't until I started doing sports, which, you know, coming from an athletic background, once you start playing sports and you're good, everyone wants to be your friend. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. But until then, you lame. You whack. As you progress from there, and, of course, you start to gain your development and your fitness regimen, and starting it at 14, you started a year before me. So... With that, and now you push yourself into college. Put us in that mm-hmm. area. Put us in that moment. What was your college life like as you grew? Oh, man. So freshman year was kind of rough because I had to deal with the fact that I came from, I'm probably one of the only black kids that came from from Katy that went to Prairie View. Uh, not anymore now. Now everyone from all over the, the state and the city comes to PV. But at first, it was like I can count on my hand the number of people I went to school with that came to PV. The first year or first semester was kind of rough in the sense I was not well received because I went to Kansas State University at first, mm-hmm. which was a D1 school for football and academics and mechanical engineering. And I could not afford to stay. So I ended up transferring to PV or Prairie and University. And I tried to walk onto the football team because I already missed the opportunities to take advantage of anything I could sign up for when it came to football and sports at PV without being a walk-on. So once I got in, um, I was chastised a little bit by teammates and the coaches and, uh, because everyone, it didn't matter if it was in an academic setting or a sports setting. The fact that I came from Katy High School, which is like a major football team and high school tradition of winning state championships almost every year, everyone had it out for me. Like they just thought I was, oh, you think you're better than us? You think you come from old Jack Lake? Exact words, you come from old Jack Lake, Katy. You know, all them, them white folk out there, hmm. This is Katy, Texas. Katy, Texas, the Katy Tigers. Y'all can look them, they're in the state, either they're winning state or they're in the, the state finals every year, no matter who their teams are. They're, they're pretty solid. So that's a powerhouse. But because of that, oh, thank you. But because of that, um, I got a lot of slack for that. And But I didn't let it bother me. I just kept doing my thing and competing. But uh, I can honestly say that a lot of my progression when it came to football in college was stunted because of illegitimate um, feelings towards where I was from and, and how I talked. Getting on that walk-on, transferred from Kansas State, and then came on to PV. You walk into mm-hmm. this practice, put me on, this team sees you. What was that experience like? At first, they all hated me. Mm. Uh, they hate all walk-ons. <laughs> they hate walk-ons. And uh, they actually plotted against me at one point when I met the running, because I was a running back. I met the running back coach, and it was my first time meeting him after going through an entire uh, offseason and and doing really well. I went from starting a little bit behind my peers because I didn't have access to the same equipment or things to train. I had to always kind of work out creatively outside with stones, rocks, in the woods, and and tires and pushing cars and all kinds of other things. But it's not quite like in a gym setting with equipment. So my first, I'll I'll give them about a good one to two weeks. I was behind. But then once I got to the swing of things of their program, I started to excel. I went from the walk-on to, why the hell is the walk-on in front of all of you? Why is he leading the pack? Y'all better get up there. Y'all better lose their walk-on. All kinds of stupid crap like that. But it fueled me. It fueled me. I was like, oh, I'm about to embarrass 
oh, you suckers. And I did. So when I found, when we made it to the season and I was excited to finally be able to participate in a lesson against our evil enemies, TSU, TS Pooh, I'm sorry. Um, I met the running back coach for the first time and I tried to shake his hand and he just stared at me. Mm. And he's like, who the hell are you? Uh, uh, I've been here. What, where have you been? I said, what do you mean? Where have I been? I've, I've been here all, all spring and all summer. I've been in the off season and everything. Then I looked behind me. My running back teammates were laughing and snickering to themselves. And it turns out the entire time I've been training, and I've been around multiple coaches and everything, and no one told me. The entire time that I was training, uh, they were having running back and position meetings, and I didn't make it to one of them. Oh. Because I was never told. Oh. And then, yeah. So, to make matters worse, my teammates were supposed to tell me. Right. And they never did. So, when I met the coach, whose name I will not mention, one of the coaches, um, he basically stared at me, cursed me out, and said, uh, when I said I'm one of your running backs, he said, no, the hell you aren't. I didn't choose you. Who are you? You just walk on. You you won't play for me. Bobble this, bobble that. And I was like, well, coach, I've, I've been here all all spring and all summer. I don't, know, I don't know what you mean. And it was from that point forward, I wasn't getting reps at practice. I wasn't able to touch the ball. I barely I barely got the population standing on the sideline. A D1, D1 athlete, Kansas State, former Katie Tiger, all those other things, and nothing, just on the side. It wasn't until any time that I got opportunity that I would do really well, we had our purple and white game. And because I was really popular back in Katie, a large number of people from my high school and just the, the town or now a city came to come see me play at, at the school. So people were screaming my name and everything else. And uh, it wasn't until a good coach um, said, hey, Williams, I'm, I'm going to put you in. Just, just be ready. But the other coach specifically told him, do not put me in because I'm one of his running backs. So long story short, everyone's screaming for me to get in. The coach that I was cool with put me in. And while their running backs, who they paid money and scholarships to, um, were fumbling and not really getting any traction, I was destroying the field. It was crazy. And even though I almost scored and everything else, because I only got a few chances to do it, uh, the other coach who said specifically I have to put me in, threw his, his clipboard down and ran across the field and said, why the hell did you put him in? I told you not to put him in. Only work my players. So even even in the midst of hundreds of people in the stands, essentially, no white people really went to Prairie View back then. Hundreds of people in the stands up there watching to see me play. And you see a coach get pissed off that I embarrasses the guys that they chose for scholarship. So long story short, the summer comes, we have a meeting and he says, hey, um, you're not going to be able to practice with us during the summer this year. You'll just have to train on your own and then come back uh, next season. I do that. I train all summer. I come back. I get played. Uh, I do it again. I train. I go through off season. I come back. I get played again. It wasn't until the third time that I came back. I made it. But at this point, because I was doing chemical engineering at the time, I no longer had any mental capacity to balance football and my major studies with engineering. So that's essentially what happened with that. And then I just started training 
creatively, if you watch my YouTube channel, you can kind of see my growth through a depression after that happened because school was tough. I didn't get to do my football dreams, even though after everything I did and all the training I did, it almost felt like for nothing and it wasn't even my fault. Um, I kind of lost it all. And I went from 195, between 195 to 200 pounds, and I dropped all the way down to 150 pounds. And um, Pause. it didn't take long for that to happen. Pause. Say that weight <laughs> difference again. I was about 195 to 200 pounds. And I lost, due to depression and stressed out from my engineering classes, I lost all that weight and dropped down to 150 pounds. Folks, did you hear that? So, this man lost close to or at 50 pounds. Now, Derek, here's what I need you to do. Explain to the folks, how did you now realize that you lost all that weight? So, a lot of people have been telling me, hey, man, you used to be built like an Ninja Turtle. What's going on? Because I got like huge calves compared to most people, even to this day, and, and everything else. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm still muscular. What are y'all talking about? I was in denial, man. It, women were telling me this. Friends were telling me this. People's parents were telling me this. Like everyone, I just looked totally different. And it wasn't until I went to the gym at Ballet Total Fitness, where my mentor and the guy that actually got me started in training, uh, Mr. Wayne Caesar, saw me at the gym and I was wearing my favorite red Under Armour that used to fit me real nice. Used to pull with that sucker on. And um, it was loose in the chest and in the, the shoulders and everything. And um, Mr. Wayne had walked up and asked me, what, whoa, Derek, what, what's going on? What happened to you? And it was at that point, hearing it from him, I knew that I had completely fallen off. And he said, hey, man, you, you can't be working here, losing all the way like that. What's going on? You know, and I, I told him my situation with football and school and family and stuff like that. And uh, he said, here's the deal. I'm going to train you and I'm going to get you back up to speed. This man put me through hell for two months, got me back, back into shape. I didn't get back to the 190s and 200s really until this year. But um I got into the 175 to 185 range and I was back into like a, a fighting weight. And then I started playing semi-pro football with the Houston Stallions and Texas Gators. And here we are. Victoria, let's go right back to you. Let's pick it up mm -hmm. from when we were in high school. You said you had to be a chameleon and get into different groups. You were able to go ahead and, and ingratiate yourself into various groups. So now, outside of high school, you're done with high school now. What is what is Victoria like? Who's Victoria now? Once she leaves high school, the friends are gone or the friends that you try to manufacture, they're gone. Right. Mm. You know, I spent literally my entire 20s not being able to answer that question. And unfortunately, because I had not done any of the internal work and the healing that I needed to do from my childhood experiences up until the point I moved out, you know, I had this husk version of whoever I was really supposed to be. And this kind of shell that at the time, one of my best traits was being able to just become whatever you needed me to be 
this is kind of what carried me through my 20s. So I ended up attracting um, a lot of different people from various different backgrounds and races and things like that. A lot of people that would be drawn to me or want to date or anything like that. But, and sometimes I would entertain it. But the thing is, they never really understood who they were dealing with because I didn't even understand who I was dealing with, you know? Mm. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's just, I guess my twenties, I could literally call it like just being like the great chameleon. That's kind of how I moved and operated. And during, during my twenties, during that decade, I ended up hurting a lot of people along the way. Um, Some of them very good, solid people because I was looking to fill all the broken bits with relationships, fill those bits with relationships and or friendships without, again, coming back to doing the work myself. And we we talked about this before. Um, I kind of equivalate the work I needed to do internally as the scene in The Witcher. I think it's the first episode where he's about to go into the swamp and fight this monster. The monster is different for all of us, right? Whether it's family stuff, whether it's addictions, whether it's uh, how you deal with stress or the wrong career path, or it's having kids too early, whatever it is, that demon is different for all of us. And for me, I spent majority of my 20s trying to avoid going into the swamp. I was looking to my left, my right, up, down, anyway, around the swamp, except for going straight into it. The repercussion of that, one of the many repercussions is the trail of broken hearts I left along the way and damaged relationships. With you trying to fill and to to fill in the gaps and the holes with various relationships, friendships and so forth was this due to the fact and as you said that you had to basically you became something to somebody else so was this due to the fact of your growing up that that's how you were or was this just because you had no clue who you were or was that a combination of both i would i would definitely say a combination of both um growing up in a world where the man of the house because you know my my biological father is deceased um But growing up in a household where the man of the house is not really that masculine. And when I say that, I'm not saying like, oh, because he was secretly gay. I'm not saying that. But he just didn't project, in my mind, what a lot of masculinity is. Like, he was very metrosexual. He uh, was very on point with the manicures and all this other kind of stuff. He never took out the trash. He didn't wash his own car. I did these things. I cut grass. I know how to use the the weed whacker and all this kind of stuff. I know how to put armor all on the tires. And he just didn't want to be bothered with any of that. And, And also, he idolized white beauty, which was a huge part of the dark, dark cloud in my childhood. I mean, this this man is dark as hell. But he's married to my mother, who's biracial and looked and could pass for a white woman. So I'm growing up in this household having to also deal with the fact that I'm not the same skin tone as her. He values whiteness, which I am not. 
So now I don't like my hair. You know, I'm trying to do all these other things to fit in, but you wouldn't know that from the outside looking in because, you know, going in through my teen years, he began making more and more and more money, like a lot of money. So now you're seeing me in all these designer clothes and shoes and bags and kind of stuff. So you would think that there was nothing wrong, but in reality, there's like a whole ish storm going on at home that you would never even know because I was too meek and timid to really talk about it. And put me on to a moment or give me an example because you said something that was was key there because now this we're talking about self-identity here now. Or give us an example of something you did physically to try to fit in with this whiteness just to appease your stepfather if you if you're well i would say i would say one of the big things even though my mom was doing this before she met him but my mom didn't really know how to work with my natural texture of hair and neither did my aunties because in my family at the time i was pretty much the only female that had very kinky hair like i guess i would say that i like 4b textured hair versus everyone else has looser curls more you know indian french mix whatever kind of hair so she started putting chemicals in my hair very early and any girl from my generation that was getting the creamy crack putting your hair you know that our hair does grow, but these chemicals keep burning it. It kills it to the point where even though your hair is constantly growing, it's gonna keep breaking off at a certain point. So you're never gonna see this length retention in your hair, you know? And my twisted mind at the time, I felt even if my hair is burnt to shish, I guess it's still, you know, it's more acceptable. It's more acceptable because even like my mom's hair doesn't look like mine and the man of the house doesn't even like kinky hair. So I guess this is okay, you know? So let's get into this space now. You said you dabbled a little into yoga in your teenage. Right. So now Victoria had to go ahead and fill in spots in her life with various relationships and friendships and everything. Where did this finally lead you? Where did all this now to start leading you that now Victoria had to say, all right, this may work. So what got me to finally take the plunge and go for yoga? We're going to fast forward in the book to uh, four, four or five years ago. And this is my relationship with Derek. Um, so I was working and I currently do. <laughs> and I currently uh, still work for my uncle. Um, he has a website and web design and graphics company in Texas. And so at the time, he had unfortunately lost a handful of high money clientele um, at USC, U- UCLA, things like that. And he needed to let me go so he could be free of that salary obligation. And he just needed to kind of like restructure and figure some things out with his business. So it's like, whatever, fine. And at that time, me being with Derek, Derek was like, you know, Vicky, while you're in between jobs, this is the perfect time for you to go pursue yoga because I've been seeing you do it. You're good at it. I always see people stopping to ask you, but like, oh, what is this? And what is that? And you naturally are like, 
happy to show people things. And he's like, I think you should go for it. At first, you know, I felt very apprehensive about it because I had this unhealthy reliance on working with my uncle, you know, this like safe cocoon. Um, and so to put myself out there into the yoga world was like, I'm an introvert. Like, I don't even like people like that. What am I going to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I felt very apprehensive about it. I ended up going, getting my 200 hour yoga teacher certification, which is the first one that you get in your journey. And um, I actually loved it. I loved it. And then I began taking what I was doing to the gym I was at at the time, Level One Fitness, ended up meeting a plethora of different people, showing them things. Then I started take hosting private sessions um, at our apartment. And I started hosting private sessions in this beautiful room. It was like a cycling room. We would move the bikes and it, there was a wall of windows facing the pool and people would come. People would come every weekend. They would come to my class, pay me a little bit. I wasn't charging a lot at all, like literally five, ten dollars a class. And that's really how I got started. And then I started branching into private sessions and slowly trying to figure out like what was my ideal student? Like what did that student look like? That journey now in yoga, what did that do to you with your <laughs> mental health and spiritual healing? If that did anything to you and also trying to heal from the past what journey did that take you on so full transparency um even after getting the 200 hour certification even after showing people at the gym different stuff even even during hosting these classes it wasn't doing anything for me spiritually so there was a huge part of me that felt like a fraud mm. because i had gone into it I had gone into the teacher training with a million questions of ranging from why is the face of yoga in the West white and female when this is something that was started by an Indian man? Why are the classes so expensive? Why is there this catty vibe of who's got the most expensive outfit from Lululemon? I went into it with a billion questions trying to figure it out. And then also I had other questions about could yoga help me heal? Could yoga help tap into spirituality that I feel had been lost from growing up in the Baptist church, which I no longer participate in. So it was, it sucked for the first couple of years teaching because yoga did not answer any of these questions for me and yoga did not help me heal at all. Mm. And so I would say it wasn't until literally now at 34 years old, when I was willing to go within and really start doing the word in my mouth, communicating, really talking about everything that had happened to me, how it made me feel, how I still feel sometimes. And during, with these conversations, with this internal dialogue and internal reflection combined with movement combined with sitting still trying to go into the silence that's what started my healing process you spoke about that show where it was the character who had to go through the swamp during that healing process i'm sure you had to go in the swamp because with the help of yoga and of course your husband at the time mm -hmm. what was that like 
Because I'm sure going in that swamp, that means you had to go, Victoria had to go into her past and dig into some things like, crap, I yeah. really don't want to open Pandora's box. And I know, and I didn't want to, believe me, I was trying to think, but open the open Pandora's box because I knew that it was going to be ugly. I, and I didn't know what would be left for me at the end after I opened the box. Like to really go into it, I had to be willing to just expose everything. I had to be willing to tell Derek about my different relationships. I had to be willing to tell Derek about feelings of confusion and loss and anger and bitterness. I had to tell him that I was with a woman. I had to tell him about the short stint on party drugs. I had to tell him that I realized one of my huge issues was escapism always trying to escape and never trying to be in it and, and really heal um, and, and face things. I had to tell him about the molestation, about the abuse, about the years that this went on. And I had to tell him just how bad it got. This went on just, oh, a little breast grab, a little ass smacking. No, no, it got awful. And I, and also, I had to tell him about how my relationship with my entire family deteriorated for many years because of how they handled it. And what that showed me about the black community being unwilling to call out and punish pedophiles in their house, how they rather victim blame and or sweep it under the rug instead of really addressing a very demonic presence in this person. So I had to be willing to just really go there and tell him like everything, everything. And and if you're not willing to communicate or go into that swamp, it's just like, sure, you can keep avoiding it. You can keep bobbing and weaving, but it's making you sick on the inside. I spent a lot of my 20s feeling spiritually Derek, put me on to that brother that that you walk in in the swamp with this woman then your girlfriend and you're walking in this swamp with her what did that do to you personally what was the challenge during that time so personally when she finally told me and explained everything i took it much better than she had imagined i probably would or if anyone would but the issue what was hard was not being told these things from the beginning or not even the beginning, but just sooner in the relationship. Uh, in a sense, I felt off because there were so many things that we couldn't do that would um, bring up bad memories, but she didn't really tell me. She just kind of react. And for a little while, I thought something was wrong. It was just something about me and Am I bored? Am I being too extra? You know, like what, what's going on? And for a little while, I really did think there was something wrong with me. And they even considered maybe I just need to leave. Mm. But it wasn't until we got close to that point that she explained to me the molestation, the family and all those other things to where everything now made sense, you know? And I just walked through the swamp with her because I see and I saw the greatness in her and I felt that it just needed the right the right catalyst to help move her to the next 
point in life. So I took that chance and I, I stuck with her. You know, I love her. And there wasn't really much she could tell me unless she murdered someone and buried them in the woods somewhere that would make me bounce. You know, we're, we we in this together now. So that's how I deal. That's how I deal with it. But Derek, from uh, from the man's perspective, wasn't there, mm-hmm. were there points that there were setbacks like, man, this swamp is getting too murky. Now this is no longer turning into a swamp. It's now feeling like quicksand at times and my feet is getting stuck. How were you two able to navigate through that? Well, a big part of it was, although it, it became like quicksand, Vicky did a very good job of checking herself more and being more accountable different things that she experienced or did in her life and, and vice versa for me. So because she was able to take accountability for different things, it made it easier for me to go through the storm with her because I could see that there was work being completed, work being done. So as long as I'm the type of person, as long as I see effort, I'm gonna always work with you. It's when I see you're not trying that I'm out. Yes. And that's in any any relationship in my life, friends, relationships, friendships, business. All. If you're not all in, you're not trying to make changes, I don't need to be there. And she never once acted in a way that it just seemed like she was going to quit because I could tell she really wanted it in her soul to move to the next level in her life. That's what's up. And it just complements what I'm trying to do in life as well. And because of this union we've accomplished so much especially in 2020 and 2021 during pandemic while everyone else is freaking out we've just been stacking stacking and building mm-hmm. straight up mm-hmm. and we didn't really feel those that hit covid mm-hmm. and thank god i took on you know a new job before covid hit because when i was just straight up doing training my gym got hit hard by covid and the boutique gym that I was working at in Uptown, that one completely shut down. Yep. So it's like people thought we were crazy to leave Texas. Like, oh, why are you going to leave Texas? And it's so big here. And you sure you can't find the engineering work? And well, Vicky, why don't you just stay and go visit and y'all just do long distance? We heard it all. But it's like this this move, even though it was difficult in the beginning, this ended up being Great. literally one of the best for happened to us Absolutely. because it allowed us to catapult our dreams and hustle with purpose not just existing not just existing not in this just rat in the race space. yeah no no now every everything we've been doing since we got up here it has been pushing it's us upgrade. to the next level Derek I'm glad you you went into that part with with the gym because we're gonna pick up from your story so, um, folks, if, you, if you're okay. still in the gym with me and you're still in the sparring session, follow because um, we're going to be doing some hand speed here. So, Derek, we're going to this part where now where you were able to, after college, you were now, you were able to get back into your, get back into your natural weight due to your fitness coach mm-hmm. who helped you out and good friend. So now you're out mm-hmm. there um, getting your... Your certification, as you said, 0304, you went ahead and get it. So now, once you were able to yep. go ahead and get this, and you're now out there, what was that journey like? So you know what's funny is, um, 
when I finished college and I had the certification and everything long before I finished college, um, I didn't really use it a whole, whole lot. I used it on myself. I used it on myself to train and do my YouTube channel and everything else. But um, I was working in my field and, and at this point it was mechanical engineering in oil and gas. And I was just traveling all over and I was documenting my travels and different ways to exercise while on the road and other things of that nature. But it wasn't my main hustle. It was something I would do when I get off at four or five o'clock in the evening and I would go and train people at the gym at 24 hour fitness. Um, but I didn't get serious with the fitness journey or with the fitness training until the company I work for sold all their assets and closed down and laid us all off. So I had no choice. Um, cause the thing is I didn't want to go to Walmart. This is before now where Walmart's paying dollars an hour to work the cashier register. They are? Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. Yep. McDonald's too. And, Keep going. McDonald's too. And um, I was like, I'm not about to go work at McDonald's. McDonald's. I'm not. I, I said I would never go back to fast food or restaurant industry uh, or anything like that. Like I was, I was determined to get into engineering or something in tech, but it just wasn't panning out. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm about to go ham turkey into this health and fitness. So I started being more serious with Top Flight Fitness, and I started training people all over the, the city. Um, I applied for different shows and I met some amazing people. One in particular, my twin, Adrena Newman. She actually played a huge part helping me mold myself into the type of trainer that I am today because she helped me break that, um, that mold of not feeling comfortable speaking fitness in front of large groups of people, like group fitness type things, being on TV and being on podcasts and stuff like this. I'm comfortable with it now. Back in the day, it was like, I just want to lift weights and just train people. I don't want to be out in the front like that. But yeah, so I started training. I was training people at the city of Houston, uh, recreation centers, all that good stuff. And uh, I even trained people outside of the US, the Dominican Republic, took about a hundred ladies with us and, uh, and like two other gentlemen uh, out to the Dominican Republic for some beach training and, and a vacation. But yeah, as I was training, I built up that rapport with so many people and then I ended up getting into a HVAC, um, which is, you know, heating and air conditioning. And I left the training alone a little bit again because I was back in the field to an extent. But then that company closed down. Uh, actually closed down when we got back from the Dominican Republic for my vacation. They said, Derek, we're closing our doors and we're letting everyone go. Luckily, oh yeah. Oh, this is feeling like a night. Yeah, because it's like, man, I just, it, it's a whole, it's a different feeling when you lose a job not because of something you've done, but just because of situations outside of your control versus people that either leave or, or get fired or something of that nature. So I get back, I get my stuff, I leave, and I'm like, crap. Well, thank God I applied to this gym called Equinox, which is a luxury brand gym that's from New York that was just now opening in Houston. And I remember before my trip, this is the funny part, before my trip, I prayed and asked God, I was like, God, please give me a sign if I should stay with this company, this HVAC company, or if I should go into training. And because a lot of family members and friends are like, you don't want to do that because it's not guaranteed money. You're getting guaranteed money with this HVAC uh, engineering role and all sorts of stuff. Like, you don't want to let that go. But they weren't really paying as much as I deserved and needed for a degree person. 
but it was good for the time being. Well, anyways, when I got back from that trip, God answered that question for me. I didn't have to make a decision because the company closed down and I had already accepted the opportunity at Equinox, but I wasn't 100% sure yet. Thank God. I And it was because I did all, and the crazy thing is, is when I went to the interview, uh, the manager saw my resume and she was kind of like, why do you want to work here? This is an engineering degree. Like, you shouldn't be that. And I said, well, you know, I've, I've been in the, the field and I, I want to make a career change. I want to get into fitness and you guys have such an amazing um, brand that I just really want to be a part of and I'm willing to work. And I explained all the different things that I did, the training people in the Dominican Republic, training people throughout the city of Houston, training people all over the place, doing all kinds of group trainings. So I honestly feel because of that, that meeting with Adrena and other people and all those fitness things I did was the reason why I got that job at Equinox. Because right. spoiler alert, 24-hour fitness wouldn't hire me. Fitness Connection wouldn't hire me. No freaking gym would hire me. But none of these gyms comes close to Equinox. Equinox is like the, in engineering, everyone, especially in chemical engineering, if you can get on the shell, shell oil, You've made it. That's like the NFL of engineers, right? Equinox is like the NFL of trainers. Aside from starting your own gym and business, things of that nature, you get into Equinox, you have the opportunity to make six figures. Because you're going to be in the midst of CEOs of this and CFOs. You're going to be around former NFL and NBA players and professional soccer players and politicians and politicians and all kind of stuff at Equinox. So... I just found that so wild that he couldn't even, that they didn't hire him at Fitness Connection because Fitness Connection is trash. I said what I said. Don't at me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing, it was not easy. And the thing yeah. that everyone... Let's, let's get about. into that part. It was not easy. Mm-hmm. Folks, you're going to hear this part. And I promise you, you're going to understand why it's important to keep your towel. Go ahead, sir. So the funniest part was... I started working, I got the job, but it wasn't 100% what I thought it was gonna be. Um, you, like, when you see trainers at other gyms, they kinda just, you know, they either gotta look or whatever, and they train people, but there's no system. Equinox has a system and training and education and all these things where you're only getting paid like $8 an hour uh, during these things and to work the floor. And until you have a certain number of clientele, you will keep working the floor. And working the floor sucks because all you're doing is handing out towels and smiling at people who don't even want to look at you as it is because they think you're trying to sell them something. And you're wiping sweat. Yep. Wiping sweat, ball sweat off benches. But anyway, uh, (laughs) so anyway, to add insult to injury, my family and a couple friends and stuff like, man, because they saw I was going through it. And like, well, see, we told you you didn't want to leave, you know, engineering or any those tech jobs for this. You know, they, yeah, you can make six figures, but it's not guaranteed. But I had in my head that I could do it. Um, but for a good while, I wasn't making. I was making eight dollars an hour, making one hundred twenty checks every two weeks. Plus. How much, how much were you making every two weeks? And this is with close to 80 plus freaking hours of work, if not more, from sun up to sundown, 
$125 checks. I made more money as a 13 and 14 year old lifeguard, $15 an hour um, than I did with this job at first. And it was rough. And I wanted to throw, I wanted to, to quit. You know, something told me, no, I gotta stick with it. There's too many opportunities and too many shoulders to rub here. And I also went to Equinox with the intent of meeting people in my field. And I was going to finagle my way for meeting them, getting back into the field, because that's where most people, engineers and other higher level jobs, that's where they're going to be at. So I stayed at Equinox much longer than I thought I was. But it was perfect because after I met one of my best clients and is still my friend to this day, Fred Gallucci, because of him that my life changed at Equinox because our training sessions were fire. He wanted to learn everything. He didn't have no skill or anything like that at first. But after we got the training, he went from a scrub to you couldn't turn from this man. Young women liked him. Older women loved him. Dudes wanted to train like him. It was crazy. His company in Southwest Infinity improved. The business became one of the top organizations in the country. Everything when his mind changed. And seeing his confidence helped me because now other people are seeing me train and now people are coming to me and say, hey, I want to do those things that you do with that guy. You train at 6 a.m. Uh, every morning. So he was my start. And then Vicky was the completion. So I, you know, relationship wise, I met Vicky at Equinox. Mm -hmm. And I met her because there was a day that the yoga instructor got into a car accident. I was working the floor at the butt crack of dawn and they couldn't want to teach the class. I am freakishly flexible. I've done martial arts for over 18 years, Shotokan karate in particular. And, but I didn't have any yoga background. They were just like, hey, you're flexible, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. Can you go teach this class? And I was like, hell yeah, screw picking up weights. So, <laughs> and wiping balls, sweat. <laughs> so with my my evil ass blue shirt i went to go teach that class didn't know what the hell i was talking about but i made it work you know and that was when i saw it. and but i wasn't paying attention just yet because i was not trying to mix work and pleasure with anything i said i wasn't gonna talk to no one at work but then i met her again through a co-worker who was also a mutual friend and even then I still wasn't looking, but it wasn't until after I needed one more session to hit my bonus and missing one session when it comes to getting bonus is like an $800 mistake. That's the difference between you making 800 extra dollars or making a three or $400 check. No lie. So I talked to her, asked her, hey, can you come in on Friday for a free session? We'll train yada yada with the whoop. We did that, had a good time, and she helped me hit my first bonus. And it was that first win that I was like, I can never go back. I cannot go back to just working the floor. I can't go back to $125 checks. I can't go back to none of that because now I'm starting to see these comma checks and I want to see these comma checks become five-digit checks. I want, a six, I want six figures. And it took me two and a half years to do that with training but it came with a lot of volume. I was training at pretty much all hours of the day until I got to a point that I was able to justify and get people I'm like, hey, I only train between 5 a.m. 
and 12 and or 1 p.m. If you don't have any of those time slots, I can't train you. And I had those time slots filled straight hours and I would take on only two to two additional people in the evenings right at five o'clock. And one of them in particular, his name was Michael Sigmund and I've been training him ever since as well, even to this day. Even to this day, he still do, does virtual sessions with Derek. Training yesterday. That's what's up. Right. So Derek, put the people on the truck, the truck situation. When, uh... Oh man. So I have to get up around 4 a.m. every morning. I'm coming from Katy, Texas and driving to uh, the gallery area. So that's about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the traffic. Yeah, there's even traffic that early in the morning, I know. And um, it just, it got rough, but I was experiencing that money. So it was like, okay, I'm serious about making this money. I wanna be able to get my own place. I wanna move out of my parents' house again. What can I do? So I start living in my, my, my SUV, the parking garage of the gym. Uh, I would sleep on the fifth and or sixth floor closest to the elevator. We're right under a light. They had these little R2-D2 robots always going around and it was under surveillance all the time. And as long as I had my name badge or whatever on my dash, they wouldn't mess with us because there's no telling what time we're supposed to be there. We could be there later, we can be there early so they don't bother us. So I would sleep in that car, put my seats down, wake up, walk downstairs, shower, change clothes. Cause they, I mean, even that's beautiful locker room. Yeah, they do. So my mornings, even though I was roughing it out, living in my car, I was taking steam room, bathroom, awesome showers, getting massages every day. Cause I was training, I was training training for massages, but I, I made it work. It just wasn't comfortable. Yes, sleeping in a car is not fun. I do not recommend it, but if you can do that temporarily to get to where you want to be, that's one of the best things I could have ever did for my life. Because at that point, I knew there is nothing I can't do. And anytime that I would encounter, because I used to train, I had to train the trainers too, I became a manager as well. Um, when they were struggling like I was, I was able to sympathize, but I'm like, well, how bad do you want this? And I would tell them my story. You know, when I first started, I was only making $125 checks. You're making 400. You're doing better than I was and you've only been here for a few weeks to, or a few months. They're like, really? Well, what did you do? I lived in my car. Two people in particular did that, and guess what the hell happened after they did that, bro? Started seeing improvement. <laughs> they started taking off too, because there's something to be said when you want something so bad that you'll go through anything to get it done. God just opens up the door for you. And then you go from being in this place of need and falling into this space of abundance. No more scarcity, just straight up abundance. And now you're choosing what you want to do. You're choosing where you want to go. Me and Vicky started traveling more. We moved into uh, two beautiful apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. um, we started traveling, going outside the country, Bahamas, Dominican Republic, all these different things. And it all started from, you know, Vicky coming to that session, have, helping me experience that first win, and then me sleeping in my car to get the job done. I never had to really stay there late again after that point. Wow. That's it. Wow, folks, if that's not keeping the towel, if that's not it, I don't know what it could be. I don't know what it could be. And that just shows when life will hit you and give you that little hit to the gut, you're going to go on your knee and that ref is still counting. You got until the count of eight to finally get up. 
You got to get up at some point, and this is what this brother did. So, Vicky, let's get on back on to you. We're going in that last part. Folks, we're still in round eight of this sparring session. Hopefully, you're still with me. So, Vicky, now you're in your journey of yoga. It had to bring you through healing. You had to go into Pandora's box, open it. And then now, what did yoga do to you as you grew into the person you are now? Mm, that's a good question. So, yoga helped me find more self-accountability it helped me i guess just stop bullshitting myself you know like it's so easy especially in western society today to just to be in this perpetual situation especially females females out here are tripping <laughs> anyway but it allowed me to stop like just constantly making excuses constantly trying to rationalize all the things I was doing wrong. Like if there were relationships that I had that weren't really that meaningful and maybe I was just hanging on to them because we just happened to still know each other after all this time, but I was still kind of like prioritizing, keeping in touch with that person, taking away this very crucial energy out of my short 24 hours a day to still kind of entertain a relationship that's not really doing anything for me. It's not helping me grow. We're not feeding each other, nothing. So so yoga helped me a lot with that. Self-accountability, um, analyzing the relationship, forgiveness, I would say, finding forgiveness for myself, for how I treated myself at various points throughout life, and also forgiving those who did harm to me. And then, of course, the physical aspects are always cool, but I don't feel that anyone should go into yoga just because they want to contort their body into a pretzel. That's really not what it's about. You know, Sanskrit yoga, it means to yoke together, to unite. And essentially, it means to unite the body and movement with God or with like the spirit of God. So I always found that the esoteric nature of it, I always found that to be quite beautiful and something that I was seeking in my life. Folks, as I told you, this is what Keeping the Towel is all about. We're talking about so many things from mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I will just ask this for the both of you. And this is a two-part question. What has mm -hmm. fitness and wellness done for you? And why do you keep your towel? Vicky. Fitness and wellness. I feel the wellness portion of that has saved my life. I feel without having taken myself on a fitness and wellness journey, I, don't, I really don't know where I would be. I know I would be super unhealthy, probably an alcoholic, <laughs> you know, off somewhere just with all the wrong kind of people. And, but when you, when you put yourself in environment, to take care and nourish your inner being, you naturally begin to attract better quality people. Obviously, I met Derek through this fitness and wellness journey. It literally saved my life. And I know going forward, because lately, you know, I've been trying to figure out, okay, where do I wanna take this journey? Like, where do I wanna go with yoga? So one, I do want to keep continue to expand my knowledge, I want to go for my 300-hour certification next and really dive deeper into various elements of it. 
but I want to help with the healing aspect because I feel that's what the culture needs. That's what people need. People that I interact with, a lot of people have not gone into the swamp like me. And so if I can figure out how to take elements of yoga that are easily digestible, combine that with going into the swamp, I feel like that's going to be my ultimate purpose with yoga. Vicky, why do you keep your towel? I keep my towel. I don't have any other choice. I have to. I, I Because I know what it feels like to quit. I know what it feels like to give up. I know what it feels like to have suicidal thoughts. I know what it feels like to not get a good night's sleep for a month straight to toss and turn every night because I know what it's like to avoid the fight. And I never want to experience that again. So that's that's why I keep my towel. Derek, journey of fitness and wellness, what it has done to you and why do you keep your towel? Fitness and wellness literally has changed my life for something that I didn't want to do when it was first presented to me. When I was first asked by Mr. Wayne, hey, do you want to train and work here and, and get a certification? And I was like, nah, I'm going to school for engineering. I'm good. Uh, I don't want to do training. And he told me that day before I got started, he said, hey, you know, get certification. I'll give you a job. And uh, who knows, you might need it one day. Fast forward eight years, it's exactly what I needed. I could have been working at Walmart, uh, Target, nothing against that people, but I'm just saying like, but to me, those I did as a child, you know, and I never wanted to go back to anything like that. And training gave me that opportunity. Training, unlike any tech job, got me to six figures with hard work and determination. And fitness also connected me with so many important people in my life that are from all different aspects of life. CFOs of BP, uh, general manager was Infinity, risk analysts of uh, certain financial companies, I can't think of the names, you know, international clients, friends that I've made that don't even really speak full English, but I could speak just enough Spanish so we can get along, you know? So it's like, I met those people because of fitness. I've experienced the life that I've experienced, the travels that I've had because of fitness. A lot of people sleep on it. And I've learned 100% that health and fitness takes you any and everywhere because might be an expiration date on tech jobs and everything else, there's always gonna be people that need to be trained. There's always gonna be people that need to be healthy. There's always gonna be people that need someone to help them get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And health and fitness is that for me. And my reasoning for keeping the towel in this regard is I've experienced loss so many times that wasn't in my control. And with fitness, it was one of the few things in my life that I could control. So it would just be wrong against lying my existence to throw in the towel. I refuse. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it from their mouths first. You heard from sleeping in the car to going through the swamp to now at the place where this incredible couple have worked together, and because worked hand-in-hand, hand, look what has got them. And that's why they have to continue to keep their towel, and they gave you their reasons. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
Thank you so much for tuning in. But before we hop out of here, Victoria, Derek, let the people know where can they reach you. So just in case they want to go and get out to you, go ahead. The floor is yours. Yes. So you guys can find YouTube channel at Top Flight Fitness Gym. I'm also going to be opening um, a second YouTube channel for my cooking show starting soon. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram at Luna Posh Hippie. That's L-U-N-A-P-O-S-H-H-I-P-P-Y. I have a, a second Instagram at Flowetree, but unfortunately that has recently been hacked, like maybe two, three weeks ago it was hacked and I have no clue how to get it back. So for now, you guys can just find me at the Luna uh, handle on Instagram. Also, you guys can help Vicky out by reporting that page and saying that someone is posing as someone else. And if they get enough reports, you might cause her to get her original Instagram back. <laughs> I really want my page back. That that sucks so bad. But and a lot anyway. of y'all got fooled because y'all thought he was going to give y'all like a free training session. Gotcha. Go ahead, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> And for me, you can find me at Top Flight Fitness Gym on YouTube, or you can find me at Ask Top Flight on Facebook. But the main place you'll be able to find me is Night23X on Instagram. And they can give you all and that's the That's Night with the K. And they can give you all the inquiries right there if they need any, any questions. Yep. All my inquiries, my email, tffgym at gmail.com. I'm always open to taking on new clients. I just have to see where I can fit you in. I do have a busy schedule, but I have two openings available right now. So if you're looking to change your life and find you a beautiful wife because of it, <laughs> or husband, holla at your boy and I will get you there. So yeah, folks, <laughs> there you have it. So go ahead. I'm going to put all the information in the description box so you'll be able to go and check them out and get at them. And so Victoria, Derek, thank you. Thank you, thank you for taking some time out your busy schedule and just go ahead and just spilling the truth in this sparring session with me. It was an incredible moment. Thank you, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Again, we appreciate you having us and we cannot wait to link up and do this again. Oh, Seriously. Yeah. Absolutely. So always a good time, man. Always oh, yeah. a good time. Yes, sir. And man, I gotta come out there to Rhode Island. Man. I gotta get I gotta get the invite so I can hop out there, man. Definitely. All right, y'all. So there it is, you have it. And thank you to my guests once again for joining me in the sparring session in the gym in Boogie's gym. So, ladies and gentlemen, the sparring session is officially over. And I thank you so much for tuning in. And y'all, if y'all want to connect me, you'll see all my information in the description box. And with that being said, like I always tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man and Boogie. I'll check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. The round is now over. We are gone. Peace.